Our scripture reading today is Psalm 119, verses 17 through 24. And our message today is titled, Let Me Understand. And this is the Lord's word. Be good to your servant while I live, that I may obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are accursed, those who stray from your commands. Remove from me their scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. The rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. Uh, one more time. Good morning. What a joy to come before the Lord today with singing, prayers, Hearing even our own voices uh, read the Apostles' Creed together. Oftentimes, we are a loss of words in terms of how we can express our love for God. Sometimes we ourselves are a loss of words of, of how to tell him who he is and how much we love him. In many ways, you know, when people get married and and they say to me, you know what, I really want to write my own vows. They're at a loss for words. And so we say, let's just do the traditional vows. And those traditional vows are, are more than enough to understand this is what I profess to my future wife or to my future husband. We here at this church, we, we believe that we need to read together these creeds. We need to hear each other pray. And oftentimes a creed or a prayer from a pastor or a prayer from our worship leaders, you'll be able to say, those are the words that I wanted to articulate from my heart of what I need to confess to the Lord, of what I need to believe in the Lord. And so I hope that all of you, as we enter into worship every Sunday morning as we go through the call of worship, as we have a time of, of confession of our sins, as we sing these wonderful songs together, that your heart would be impressed by the words. For the words of Scripture and the words of the saints who have come before us have power to change our lives. Psalm 119 is about the power of the word of God. Psalm 119 is a reflection by the psalmist of not only the power, but the beauty that lies within. That to have God's word in your hands, to be able to read it, Absorb it. Act upon it. It gives you life. 
bookstores. I don't know if they still exist. Maybe there's a couple Barnes and Nobles around here still. Are replete with sections trying to help people to live their best life. Radio stations and podcasts are filled with experts and gurus trying to help you to live that excellent life, that fulfilling life. But God tells us that his word is sufficient for every aspect of our lives, that we don't need anything else, any other book, to be satisfied. We don't need any other gurus, any other counselors, except for the word of God. You see, many of us might believe that scripture is authoritative and it has great words to say about our relationship with God and perhaps our relationship with the church. But we still relegate scripture and God to the corner of our spirituality. But when it comes to our marriages, comes to school, comes to our parents, comes to work, when it comes to our success in life, when it comes to financial stability, Scripture has nothing to say. It's not sufficient for every aspect of life. And in do so, what we really say to the Word of God is that, Word of God, your authority is limited. And therefore, God, your say in my life is very limited. But that's not what the Lord says. The Word of God is sufficient for every aspect of your life. And we come reading God's word and we come exalting in God's word because we realize that every aspect of our lives can be found here. You wanna learn about money, God talks about money. You want to learn about your workplace. God talks about your workplace. You want to learn about what success looks like. God talks about that as well. It is the people of God who run to his word that understand its sufficiency and God's love for us as people. In our passage today, the psalmist talks about wanting God to, to open his eyes. Open my eyes, in verse 19, that I may see the wonderful things in your law. In verse 19, he says it this way, I'm a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. Now, this is an interesting way of saying something very simple but very profound. You see, the word of God that you have in your hands is accessible to all the peoples in the world. It's accessible. We have Martin Luther, 
William Tyndale, and many other translators to, to thank for that, that we can read the Bible in our own native tongue. And in fact, there are, there are still pockets of places that, that still cannot, do not have access to, to God's word. But for the most part, many of us in this world, many of us here in this room have access to the word of God. But here's a question. Why is it when I read it, I hear God's voice? When I read it, I see God's work. When I read it, it challenges me to ask questions about my existence and about God's purposes. And yet, when I'm in a class, and perhaps you've experienced this when you went to college and you had to take that writing class, you had to take that English class, and, and I don't know if they still this, do this nowadays, but when I was uh, in college, even at a very liberal, liberal school, we still read passages of the Bible because the Bible is one of the greatest, most influential works in all of Western history. Any piece of English literature that you read out there always makes allusions to scriptures. And so if you don't know the Bible, you're not going to understand the, 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 uh, the allusions that, that Tolstoy makes or that Steinbeck makes or, or any of these authors make. So even in our classes, we, we had to read parts of the Bible. But how come when my fellow classmates read it, my professor reads it, or maybe my friends read it. They read it, and they say, that's interesting. That's nice. That was a good read. But then that's it. And there's this disconnect between you and them. Or perhaps this is you. Perhaps you're the one who reads scripture. And when you read it, you simply say, nice story. Wonderful words. Very well crafted. And you let it be. This is an important question, is it not? There's a difference between those who simply read, well, in their point of view, a religious artifact and appreciate it simply as a religious artifact. And there are those who read God's word and hear God's voice. And it impacts our hearts. And it causes us to change. Now, let me get this straight before we head on to the next part of this message. The Bible is the Bible. It is the authoritative word of God. Whether or not a person recognizes it as God's word. 
God is God whether or not you worship him or not. No one can say, well, I don't believe in God, therefore God doesn't exist. No, it doesn't matter what you believe. God will always be God. I can't say, you know what, I'm not going to call this a microphone anymore. I'm going to call this a, a carrot. No, we've, we as a society have decided that we're going to call this a microphone. And whether you want to call it a carrot, it's a microphone. God needs no defense. God's word needs no defense. The authority of God's word does not rest upon humanity, but it rests upon the fact that it's self-authenticating as God's word, written through, through human beings by the aid of the Holy Spirit. But there's something that is something that we have to understand. In order for us to understand God's word, as a message of salvation for me and for all, we need to be born again. You need to be someone who's been known by God. The Holy Spirit has to have come into your life to open your eyes to see that this is the very words of God. When I was a grad student at the University of Wisconsin, I had this wonderful, wonderful professor. He knew the, well, we call it the Hebrew scriptures, not the Old Testament. Old Testament. But he knew the Hebrew Bible inside and out. He memorized a lot of the Hebrew Bible. He, he was someone who loved the Hebrew scriptures as an ancient document to read. And I learned much from him in terms of the literary structures and, and how the authors put stuff together. But in terms of understanding its import as the very words of God, point to the coming of Christ that gives life to those who believe, was absent. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 and 15, it says it this way. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, spiritual meaning those who have the Holy Spirit in their lives, the Holy Spirit indwelled person judges all things, but is, is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It is no accident that when there are people who read God's word, that there are those who will understand because the Spirit has indwelled them and enabled them to see it as God's word, and that there are those who read it 
it will never be able to understand. The natural person can't understand it as God's word. Only those who've been indwelled by the Holy Spirit, who've been given the, the um, salvation through Christ Jesus, can understand this as being the very words of God. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, we have similar language. Open the eyes of my heart, O God. There's a plea from even the believer. Open the eyes of my heart that I may understand who you are. And here in Psalm 119, open, the, open my eyes that I may see and understand your law. Do not keep them hidden from me, but make them well known to me that I may obey. Brothers and sisters, let's stop here for a minute. And I want you to reflect. Do you remember a time in your life when you read scripture and you knew it was God speaking to you? Do you remember a time like that? And yeah, you know, you want to talk to one of these, these like uh, Bible nerds like me, you know, we'll say, oh, it's out of context and stuff like that. But it doesn't matter. God does great things. Do you remember a time, a, a passage of scripture when you read it? And it wasn't just good words. It was just the very words of God speaking to you. And you understood the power of this God who loves you. You understood the depths of how far you were from the Lord in your sins, that you were enemies. But you understood the, 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 the huge chasm between heaven and hell. And you understood that God came to save you, you. And those words became absolutely riveting in your heart. When was the last time when you read God's word? God's word became alive to you. Giving sustenance, giving energy. If you haven't, Or if it's been a long time, listen carefully as we continue this message. In our psalm, there's a juxtaposition of two types of people, the humble and the arrogant. It says in verse 21, you rebuke the arrogant who are accursed those who stray from your commands. Remove from me their scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. In verse 23, though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your, degree, on your decrees. There are those of us 
who stand in judgment of Scripture. There are those of us whose, whose disposition towards the Bible, whose understanding of the Bible, is that we are over Scripture, and Scripture has to prove itself to me. That we come to Scripture with these questions about my life, and we say, answer these questions now. And we demand of Scripture to fit into our worldview and to fit into our lifestyle and to fit or to meet our demands. And in, do so, in so doing, we take the posture of arrogance over the Bible. It's a strong word. That's what it is. That we have the right to judge Scripture, and we have the right to read Scripture and to demand from it the meaning and the answers that we desire. And these are the people who later on will mock Scripture and will mock God. Now, God is gracious. And many of you here are still very young in your faith. And I know there was times in your life where you went to Scripture and you go, God, what should I do? Um, should I... Um, should I major in X or should I major in Y? You, read, you open the Bible, you read it, and you feel like God's answered you, and God answered you, and you major in X, and everything turns out well. Let me tell you, when you're early in your faith, God gives you a lot of leeway, a lot of mercy. I have seen so many people who are young in their faith trying to understand Scripture. And God is merciful in allowing us as little, as little infants to answer every single one of our prayer requests. And all of a sudden, at that young faith, we believe that this is the way God's going to continue to interact with me. I'm going to come. I'm going to ask him for things. He's going to answer me. And life goes on. But let me tell you what happens. God wants you to grow up. I remember when I was in college, and um, we were picking dorm rooms. I had the second pick of any room I wanted on my campus. Oh, it, was, it, was, it was a real privilege. And um, I prayed really hard that, Lord, because the person ahead of me wanted, was thinking about getting the same room. And I was like, Lord, for the sake of ministry, because I wanted this one room to minister to the people um, in my hallway and in that dorm room, give me this dorm. Give me this dorm. And at that point, I was this, this I, was, I was a college senior, though, but still very, like, emotional and stuff like that, and, and just hoping God would answer me. And you know what? He answered me. And I was over the moon. But as I got older in my faith, God doesn't answer like that as much as he used to. And I know where my heart is going by my disposition to God's word. Because if I keep going to God's word with that young, infantile, infant 
like faith, the word of God will begin to fade away in my life. And my stance of arrogance over God's word will remain. Brothers and sisters, you're our, let me, I'm not here to sort of rebuke you harshly. My, my desire is for you to really love God's word. But so please hear me when I say this. It's your lack of love for God's word is because of your arrogance. Over thinking that you know better than God's word. It's not because you're having a bad day. It's not because you are just distracted. It's not because life sort of just sort of gets in the way. It's not. We are people who want to rule our own lives. We want scripture to submit to us. And scripture will lose significance day by day by day as long as you demand of scripture to be something that it's not. What is the proper stature? What do we need to do as God's people to, to, to regain the joy of reading it? It's humility. Humility. You know, one of the, the movies that every pastor always goes to for discipleship is... Uh, uh, the original Karate Kid. And even though you guys have never watched it, you understand when I say wax off, wax on. You understand that, that, that Mr. Miyagi, the, the, this, this, this Japanese guy who's teaching Daniel-san how to, how to fight, that he doesn't really teach him karate in the beginning, but just teaches him how to, to wax on and wax off and to paint a fence up and down. And in the beginning... His stature was one of humility. Here is a master who's going to teach me. I don't understand everything he's going to teach me or why he's teaching me. But I'll simply submit myself to him. If you watch the movie, you see him washing six cars. You see him painting Mr. Miyagi's fans. And you see him doing all these basically what look like just chores around the house but he submitted himself. And in the end, Daniel-san gets angry and says, I, why are you making me do, do all this? What's, how does this help me with karate? And then Mr. Miyagi, in the end, shows him. Wax off, wax on, defense. Not a kick. Block. And the lights go off in his head. I have been learning karate. For us as God's people, when we come to God's word, our posture should not be, I want to learn right now what this word of God has for me right now. But our posture should be one of humility and say, God, just teach me what you want to teach me. Show me what you want to show me. 
I trust you with the troubles of my life. I trust you with the difficulties of my life. I don't know where you're headed with this, but all I know is that your word is what gives me sustenance. So whatever truth that you want me to learn from your word, whatever you want me to, to obey and to do, I'll follow. And even if that makes life a little bit harder today, it's okay. For your word is what gives me joy. And in God, by his grace and his mercy, as you walk with him in his word, he reveals himself to you. The more stubborn you are, if you are that recalcitrant child and you read demanding God for answers to your life's problems, God will still love you, but God won't answer you. Because he knows at this day and age, as you get older in your faith with the Lord, if he answers you, You will never, ever grow up as that man or woman of God that he wants you to be. So I urge you, what is the answer then if we are arrogant of heart? What is it then if we've really stop reading scripture it's repentance and humility is it not go and read and say Lord you know how difficult my life is or you know how sensitive of a person I am or you know how crazy the world is right now, or you understand the difficulties of my heart, but help me just to understand your word. You and me, Lord. Teach me about your presence and your life, and my life in you. God will answer you. And for those of you who think that you are the, still the, na the natural person and not the person who, who has the Holy Spirit in your life and, and you read this and you still see this as simply words, the answer is the same. Instead of trying to figure out whether this is a word of God, you have nothing to lose. Why not simply say, you know, for over 2,000 years, this book has inspired so many people to do so many great things. To love a God that perhaps is there, perhaps it's not. But I'll humble myself and I'll read it. And I'll make that assumption that this is the word of God 
And if God, you are up there, and this is your word, and what all these Christians are saying is true, show yourself to me. And God will answer us. Our desire as we continue to read God's word, as he teaches us, the fruit of that, that helps us to understand that we are delighting in him. It's, it's our obedience, is it not? Right? It's that great hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When you humble yourself to the word of God, what do you do? You obey. And even if, 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 if the words, even if, if the commands are sort of like you're trying to figure out all the nuances to it, listen, stop trying to figure out all the nuances to it. Obey. And after you obey, you see what happens. Then wrestle with the Lord of, well, what does that really mean? What does it mean to help the poor? Well, I know what it doesn't mean. Try to think about what, is, what does it mean? What does the word help mean? And what does it mean? What does the word poor mean? And then sort of think yourself into doing nothing. When it says to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, instead of thinking, well, what does loving my brothers and sisters look like? What's the good? What's the... And not do anything. It's better to love and make a mistake. Live a life of obedience to the Lord. And as you do, well, verse 24. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. God's people rejoice in his word. God's people see God's word as their counselors. to help them to understand this world that we live in. Brothers and sisters, my prayer for you and this church is that we would understand the power of God's word, that we would submit ourselves to God's word, that the mistakes that we do make is not out of arrogance over God's word, but the mistakes that we do make is trying to follow God's word. That we would set aside the difficulties of our circumstances because a lot of our difficulties are simply trifles, misunderstandings, inconveniences. Lord, as I look around here, you guys still look well-fed, you still guys, these guys have a place to sleep. You guys have clothes on, pretty nice clothes. You guys don't smell bad. Don't let the world take away your thought life. Don't fill your heads with worries and trifles. Fill your heads with this. And let the Lord show you the way to life. Let's pray.